Hey y'all, and welcome to this week's Pain in the Pod. I was so excited this week to talk to my buddy, Doug Buden. Doug Buden is an actor, and I met him when I was in LA last year, and he is a co-host every week on Jeff Lewis Live, which is a show on Radio Andy on Sirius XM. Doug is hilarious, and what I found out uh, when I talked to him was he never listens to podcasts at all until I tell him one to listen to, and then he listens and gives me a review. So that's funny because I thought the whole time he was listening to other ones, but he says, no, just the ones I recommend. And so far I've been spot on with what he likes. So this week I had him listen to Mob Queens. Now I heard about Mob Queens a long time ago. I knew it was hugely popular. I heard rumors that it's going to be made into a TV show, but what it is, is a study in Anna Genovese of the mob crime family, you know, very famous mob crime family in New York. She was the wife of the head of the crime family. And turns out she divorces him, slams him, the head of the mob in court, tells all these secrets. But how the Queens part comes into it is that she was also running these underground drag bars in New York City. One, and they got burned down, and then she just started another one. She was fully supported by the mob in this. And then there's all this folklore, right? Was she in the CIA? Was she an informant? But he always still loved her, even though she divorced him and was sort of an out-ish bisexual woman who had a life partner that was a woman. So it's very fascinating. It's very layered. So I asked Doug to listen to it. Turns out Doug knew more about this than he realized when he started listening as he knew the creator and the host of the podcast who uh, is a producer on RuPaul's Drag Race. So if you just listen real close, you might hear a special guest star. Okay, I'll just tell you. It's the host of... Um, Mob Queens jumps in on our podcast and it gives me some inside scoop. It was so exciting. It was like two podcasts in one. So take a listen. This is a really good one and I hope you enjoy it. And also make sure you listen to Mob Queens. Thanks. Hey y'all and welcome to this week's Pain in the Pod. Today I'm chatting with my buddy Doug Buden. Now you may know Doug from his many television acting roles or his co-host role on Jeff Lewis Live. I met Doug in LA last year and I instantly loved him and I demanded that he become my friend. Now Doug has come on Pain in the Pod before and we have chatted about S-Town. We have chatted about Missing Richard Simmons um, and the one about cops and also the... Um, the Y2K. I'm just trying to remember oh, what it was called. Right. Yeah, yeah. We talked about all those things. So this week I asked him to listen to an amazing podcast called Mob Queens. Welcome, Doug. Well, well, hello. <laughs> you know, it's like our relationship is now the way of everyone's relationship. It's a virtual relationship. Right. We did but meet in person first. first. Yeah. <laughs> we met in a hotel. And do you remember there was that incident that the parents were there with yes. their kid they were having the kid was going to go to the hospital across the street yes. and they were helping him swim and he wanted to be part of our um podcast yes yes yeah. and then yeah. after you left the little boy had a seizure oh that's right i wasn't there yes yeah that was um yeah that was that was uh something but you and I had a very lovely chat. And if you listen, if you go back and listen to it, it's on my Patreon, you'll hear the the cute little boy like jumps in the pool. And everybody goes, yay! Uh, exactly. <laughs> because the water was super cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that. It was oh, very I, LA. We were sitting outside by a hotel pool where Countess oh. Luann had been staying because I'd chatted with her. Oh, that's yeah. right. You were yeah. there. And then, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's all coming yes, back. And that's where I saw her. So I'm going to um, tell my listeners a little bit about this podcast, Mob Queens, and then you're going to uh, give us your uh, big reveal after uh, after I give the description. <laughs> okay, okay, go for it. So here's the description as it appears on their website. Um, Anna Genovese is a New York drag club maven, self-styled entrepreneur, and a badass mob wife. Naturally, Hollywood besties Jessica Bindiger and Michael Seligman are obsessed, but as they start to unravel Anna's story, they realize their heroine is more complicated than they hoped. Racing between speakeasies, public record offices, and mob insiders, Jessica and Michael are forced to face some confronting questions about this mysterious woman. Are they learning more than they want to know? And what will Anna's secrets reveal to them about themselves? Jessica Bendiger wrote 
Bring It On and is the writer-director behind Stick It. Michael Seligman has written for E! Mystery and Scandals and is the producer for is a producer for RuPaul's Drag Race. And the two have been best friends for 20 years. Now, my first question to Doug that I was going to say was, have you heard of this podcast and were you aware of this story? But before I can give it, get into that, Doug... Tell me what you told me right when we got onto this call. <laughs> so, well, I'm, I will answer your question. The first is I had not heard of the podcast, um, but I started listening and within about 10 seconds before the hosts even introduced themselves, I thought, I know this guy's voice. That's Michael Seligman. And as I thought that, he's like, and I'm Michael Seligman. And I thought, holy shit. So I put it on pause <laughs> and I texted Michael and I was like, um, I'm about to listen to 12 episodes of you rambling on about something. How are you? You know, so we reconnected. And Michael and I met, God, it must be 15 years ago now. We worked on a pilot together and he's very, very good friends with a friend of mine. And in fact, I saw Michael maybe four months ago, right around uh, 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 end of January at a, at a friend's house. So it was it was really um, sort of, as, as the Jews would say, it was sort of beshert that, um, you know, meant to be that I got to listen to this podcast and reconnect with Michael because I hadn't spoken to him in, in um, several months. That's crazy. And so we're hoping uh, Michael will make a, a guest appearance here. On yeah, the I, podcast, you texted him. We'll see. I texted him, and I was like, "Hey, I'm going to badmouth you if you don't join us." So we'll see if he replies. That's so funny. But, I, I have re I did reach out to both of them a couple of times, trying to get them to come on, but I didn't. Or I heard back, or it didn't work out, or you know, that's just how it goes in the podcast I world. I think this is a pretty. This was a popular podcast. Oh that was yeah, nominated very, for a Webby. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Very well known. Oh sure. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. I, yeah that's why I always start out saying, "Have you heard of it?" Because no, sorry, Michael, never heard of it. But I, now well, I have, and now I'm a fan. It, it's very, very interesting. The story. Okay, so the story is Anna. Um, I don't know if you say Genovese or Genovese, but she was married to um, Vito Genovese, who was mm -hmm. one of the um, head of the mob at New right. York City. They, Big famous crime family. Yeah, 50s, 60s time frame. Her story was, you know, she was married to somebody else. Vito whacked her husband, and then she married Vito. Now, that's allegedly. I don't know why I'm saying allegedly. All these people aren't with this. No one's going to assume. <laughs> but that's what they said. That's what they come up with in the right. podcast. Um, but I am not one of these people who's, like, obsessed with The Godfather or anything like that. So... Are you aware of this? I mean, you're from New York, so are you aware of these like crime stories about this Genovese family? Yeah, yeah. So, any, I mean, if you grew up in New York, um, there are certain names that you're for sure always aware of. You know, Genovese, Gambino. I mean, there's just tons of names that you you sort of just know because they're in they're out in the ether. Um, I have to say, I did not watch The Godfather until maybe three years ago mm -hmm. um, for the first time. God, it's a good movie. It's no wonder everybody loves it. But um, <laughs> yeah, you're sort of aware, and 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 just just kind of growing up in in the East Coast, you know, there there's obviously there's a lot of mob families, but I, nothing that I was ever a part of. So I did not know this particular story, um, and you know, it, it, as you'll explain, the the we go through her life, you know. Um, it it something which to me was sort of just like a, a tale about somebody else sort of for me came closer to home. Like it started to resonate as we learned more about her. Um, and, and I just think it's one of those amazing stories that everybody will find something universally. Everybody will find something in her story that hits close to your life and, and, and what you go through in your world. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was, first of all, you know, it's so interesting that the two, that Michael and Jessica get so um, wrapped up in this story. And they say, you, you know, remember Mary Payne? How, for years, what what was the, the catalyst or what, 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 I can't remember now, how did they get sort of hooked on talking, telling this story? I don't know. I don't, I don't know what they ever even say. They just say for for years they wanted to dig. If they ever had a chance, they wanted to dig deep into the story to see if it could be a movie or a screenplay or something. And then the more they start digging into it, they decided, you know, to make a podcast. And you know, they had a, a, a platform to do it. 
And that's sometimes that's the key to get a really good story out there is to have, you know, the music and the money and the research and right. and the tools to do it. And they were able to, and they were able to get uh, her, one of her grandchildren on, they were able to, or two, but they also ended up talking to these former mobsters. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something I'd like to ask Michael, if we get to talk to him, was he scared? I would have been scared. I, I agree. I, they, they, they de- I mean, they named names. They were using historical documents, but I, yeah, I, it didn't. They, the guy, the one guy though, he, they, they made up a name for him. What was his name? Like Jimmy Hush or something. One guy was Jimmy Hush, and another guy was like, uh, you know, they all have these names, and all I think about, and because I'm not so well versed in The Godfather, I'm more of a Goodfellas kind of kind of movie chick mm-hmm. but they're all you know there's a famous scene in goodfellas when they go through and they talk about everybody's name yeah. this is jimmy two times this is everything two times two times you know right, like right, that. Right. um and so it's just so funny that they that's true they all have these nicknames you know mm-hmm. and i don't know i found the whole thing but now here's what i will say about the podcast i felt that it went in several directions right we had her personal life mm-hmm and then we had the mob part. Then we had her sort of as a um, totally separate, like a like a grandma and all that. Right, as a per- as an actual like person. A person. And then we had um, Michael's story, which yeah. was him looking just doing like a twenty three and Me, and you know because every single- he's, a, he's adopted and he was doing a search for actual family members of himself. Yeah, and he finds out finds out that he um, did come from part of him came from Sicily. Yeah. So he was like, oh, maybe you know, maybe part I'm of part of the maybe I'm Two part of the Two fingers <laughs> and his navel are from Sicily. The rest are from somewhere else. No, he was he was a good portion Sicilian, right? Yeah, it was pretty interesting. So the podcast it is long. There are a lot of episodes, but I think it has to be to cover everything they covered. I think. Yeah, it's long, but. It starts to move. The other thing is this, uh, I don't know who put this out. Oh, I think Stitch or Stitcher or something. There's a, an annoying act break in the middle. I was like, ah! you have to like listen to these commercials for something else in the middle of each of these episodes. So I found myself trying to skip ahead ah. 30 seconds because it was like a cliffhanger. Did they, are you saying, did they not say like, we're going to take a break? Did they not say that? No. Or just like, sometimes they put the ads in like right in the middle of the sentence. Yes. in the just in the middle. Oh, it was really frustrating. What platform are you listening on? Uh, Apple Podcasts. Oh, you are? Okay. Because yeah. sometimes if you listen on these other ones, that's, Doug, I never had one ad ever. Really? Mm-hmm. Do you want some? No. Oh, I'm just, okay. I just, I, I didn't have any oh, ads. Oh, when you listened to it, yeah, you mean? Yeah, I didn't have any ads. You didn't? Uh-huh. You didn't? I had to listen to, it was ads for these other podcasts. Right. Oh, well, that, they do that sometimes. Um, but that's weird because this is just, ha- this is what is always so interesting to me with podcasting, right? It depends on your age, your sex, where uh, you live, all the way they do your ads. Oh, they're like targeted. Yes. So my sister sometimes will tell me what the ads were she heard on my podcast. And then they'll be different from the, <laughs> if I listen to my podcast, they'll be different because she's in the deep South and I'm on the East coast. Right. Mine, it, mine would all be for stretchy pants and... <laughs> Oh, there, the other day, my husband said, you know, I think my phone was listening t- to me because we talked about getting this patio furniture from Wayfair. Mm-hmm. My husband, they have just what you need. It, exactly. <laughs> and he doesn't know about Wayfair. Like, he's one of those people that goes into Bed Bath & Beyond. He's like, what's this crazy store with all these things? Like, he just doesn't know. So he, right. so he and I was like, oh, I was like, I found this great thing on Wayfair and they were having a Memorial Day sale or whatever. And so we were just talking about it. I may have sent him a link on text. And then, he, couldn't, he couldn't believe it. He goes, I pulled up like CNN or whatever he was looking at and there was an ad for Wayfair for those chairs. He was beside himself. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, all day, every day. Yeah, <laughs> That's absolutely. what happens. It never absolutely. happened to him before because he yeah. doesn't shop like that. So yeah. So anyway, for me, like listening to it, they would get to this. It would get really juicy, and then I'd be, and then I would hear this ad Weird. for something else. So I'd have to like skip ahead. But there are a lot of episodes. But each one is about 30, 32 minutes, I think. Yeah, it's not like 
one or two hour episodes that are 12 of them. No, they're, they're easy. They're easy bites. And they do sort of tell you next week, we're going to do this. And they give right. you clips for the next week, like a TV show, which I always appreciate. Um, and it also, it's a good way to make you listen to the end. If they're giving you the cliffhangers for next week, that's which, another and they also trick. did this nice thing where they played some voicemails from people that left yeah. over the weekend. I thought that was cool. Cause they addressed him. And one of them was the exact question that if like if Michael were here, I would say, I didn't understand this thing about her making these uh, monthly trips to and from Italy uh, back uh-huh. in the like 40s or whatever, when it would take, in my mind, I figured it would take two weeks just to get there and then two weeks just to get back. So yes. it's like, was she living on a cruise ship? But they addressed it and they said that, you know, people with money were able to, I guess, do a crossing faster. And then she had some sort of car that she was like smuggling gold bars across gold tools or something. I was like, that was after that. That was after the monthly trips to Italy. Do you know people who say Italy people? A lot of people I know that I grew up with in New York will say Italy, Italy. Yeah. They're all Italian and they say Italy. Um, I just know country people that go Italy. Italy. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, it is a fascinating story. And she she led some life and you know I, you know I, I, I please tell everybody what what happened with her like okay, okay, what did okay. she end up doing okay we're gonna take a break oh. and then we'll come and then, oh, yeah, we're gonna we'll play some ads here we're we gonna go play some ads and then we'll be right back <laughs> but they'll be targeted just for you I'll be right back this episode is brought to you by HP plus in a world full of smart devices shouldn't your printer be smart too? It is with HP+. These printers know when they're running low, so you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it. Plus, you save up to 50% on ink, so you can print whatever you want, as much as you want, any time you want. Huh, that is pretty smart. Get six free months of instant ink when you choose HP+. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com smart for details. Okay, I'm back with my buddy Doug Buden. We're talking. Did you enjoy those ads, friends? <laughs> Did you feel like they spoke just to you? Oh my gosh, Doug. Okay. Um, all right, you got me off. You got me off. You got oh, me off culture. All right, we're talking about Mob Queens. The podcast is really good, and we were discussing that Doug actually uh, knew Michael, that is the one of the writers and the co-host and the producers of this podcast. So, did you know this history of the drag scene in New York City? No, I had no idea. So it turns out Anna, the wife of Vito, they have this terrible divorce. And she says, like, basically she's telling, she's she's like a mobster herself. She's like, you, you give me what I want or I'm going to drag mm-hmm. it all through the mud. And she does. She tells all the secrets. She does everything. At some point, they don't know she's working with the CIA. Like, it's nuts. Right. And, they, they think maybe she's an informant. Right. She's an informant. But why she never gets whacked? No idea. Yeah. But she's she at one point before the divorce is operating this like underground speakeasy drag club. Then he he shuts it down or gets raided. They think he probably told on her. And then she just quickly opens another one on mm-hmm. another street. And this one's very, very popular. And they describe how you would walk and you know, in New York you go down sometimes to go into these restaurants into like we call caves. that a fire trap. <laughs> yes. And you go down and that she would always be there. They they kept uh, comparing her to all these like old timey like movie stars, how beautiful she was and the way she was always just dressed, like dressed and to the her night. hair. She had her yes. hair up. And- always just beautiful. And then you would go in and there would be these drag shows. Now, hopefully everybody knows what drag is, but it's when generally it is when men completely transform themselves, look like women and then do these productions. And it's incredible. If you've never seen a drag show, it's like really amazing. And, and I bet for some of the listeners in that little ad break, maybe they heard an ad break targeted to them about drag queens. Could be, could be, <laughs> I doubt it. Could be, but, I doubt um, it too. but uh, anyway, it's a, it's an art form. And yes. so I didn't know it had been around for so long. And it's so interesting where they were saying that they would have them come in in the, in the gender they were born to come right. in. Then they could change and do their transformation inside. And then they had to retransform before they left because they were afraid of, you know, being attacked on the street. I mean, I didn't know any of this. And so th- I found this to be the most fascinating part of the story. 
Well, drag, I mean, drag has been around forever. You know, if you, even if you go back to Elizabethan days, you know, in Shakespeare's time, all the roles were played by men. Mm-hmm. So men were in drag as women, playing the nurse in Romeo and Juliet, or playing right. Juliet or whatever. So, and it goes back even, obviously, further than that. But the sort of drag scene and its connection to the mob is what I found so fascinating. I had no idea that the mob was not only supporting the, these drag bars, but like that that they were making so much money off of them. And and weren't you surprised, Mary Payne, how they they talked about how sort of glamorous these clubs were? I mean, you know, these days a lot of gay bars are just shit terrible, <laughs> you know. Um, but the way they were describing these clubs that Anna ran, they were, they sounded super high end. You know, maybe think of like in the movie, The Birdcage, like like a destination for a per- dinner and a show kind of a thing. Right. I really think I think of that scene in Goodfellas when they walk in through the back and they follow them all mm-hmm. the way through and then they yeah. come in and they sit in those beautiful like velvet booths in and the there's a tent. show. Yeah. 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 That like old school, like Las Vegasy kind of, that's the kind of the vibe I get that you would go in and these places were, um, it, you know, a lot of people in those times would be like, oh, it's like prostitution or it's this, but it was none of that. And then right. if anybody was disrespectful to the performers, she would have them leave, you know, have them kicked yeah, out. Yeah. And she, many of them, now there's the story they also had that Barbara Streisand lived there for some time because people right. would live there if they had nowhere to stay. She at the had club. no money, yeah, yeah. Now, what do you think of that story? I mean, I think it's Folklore. a good story. I think it's a good story. I think a lot of these things sounded like good stories. And also, like, as a, you know, as a listener, you want to believe everything you're hearing. Like, you know, I thought it was interesting when one of the guys, I think it was one of the maid guys who, who was talking, was like, no way was she, you know, an informant or no way was she really running the mob. Um, like, I was, I was kind of ambivalent. I really could see both sides of it. And... I wanted to believe that all of this is true because it makes for a great story and it just fits the sort of narrative. Whether or not it actually is true, who knows? But, you know, like like somebody said, um, you know, uh, as you wear fake pearls, they become real over time. So you who, know, says story- that? who said that? Um, uh, who wrote The Mad Woman of Chaillot? Damien, do you know who wrote The Mad Woman of Chaillot? Yeah, uh, the writer. <laughs> Whoever, in, in The Mad Woman of Chaillot, the play... Uh-huh. She says, uh, somebody's like, your pearls are fake. And she says, everyone knows as you wear them, pearls become real. And so I I believe that. Like, you know, you start to believe these tales right. over you and believe over again. Your own so, sto- you believe your own hype kind of a thing. It, exactly. At this point, it's real. Okay. Well, okay, my next question for you is like, okay, because this we're talking about the 50s and very early 60s. Mm-hmm. And she was... Um, it was very well known that she had a female partner, a, a romantic interest partner, yeah. and it was a woman whose name was Jackie, Jackie, but but went in drag, and was like Dale or Dan. Yeah, she was at a drag. It's called a drag king when a drag woman king goes in. And they said, uh, you know, and when Anna was drawing her last breath and dying, you know, Jackie was the one that was there, but dressed more like a man, and it was just completely accepted, which is so crazy to me because. For them to sort of be out like that in those times, it was like not accepted, but like illegal. Yeah, don't you think though people will make exceptions? You know, for what like even people who are like, I can't stand gay people, but you're okay. Like you know, people. <laughs> right. So I I feel like that was an exception. It was also because because of who she was in the in the world of the mobsters, they probably felt like they did need to respect her because you know, she hadn't been whacked. So Mm -hmm. people are nervous. You know, they, you don't want to like make a stance one way or the other. They probably said terrible things about her being gay um, behind her back, but you know, maybe never in person. I'm talking about the other mobsters. Yeah. I mean, the one mobster said, he actually said, the way you get rid of that problem is send them shopping in Beverly Hills and put two bullets in them. Yeah. And they were like, Jessica, the other the co-host, was like, "Yeah, that was like tough to hear." Skip, right? He said like three ounces of lead in the head or something. Yeah, like, something like that. Ooh. Yeah, like send them shopping and then you know kill them on the street. Yeah, basically not, not good. But I also found it fascinating that 
Anna kept that apartment for Jackie. Jackie lived in, I think it was called the Arlington Hotel or like, she, you know, this, this Jackie was a fixture in Anna's life. And even though she kept her sort of separate, the the granddaughter knew her, right? Yeah, the granddaughter yeah, was like, was... oh yeah, we knew her, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought, it, was, it the, was it the grandson, that was it the grandson that said um, that she thought he was hitting his wife and that she came up and threatened to kill him? So like, you'd never put your hands on a woman, you know. Was it the grandson remember. that said that? The One of them had this story. The grandson seemed less um, on board with a lot of the theories that Michael and Jessica had, in my opinion. He the was grandson? The one, yeah, the grandson. Um, I, th- I, I, I can't even remember now anything specifically other than when they suggested, oh, she was running this club and she was a big, a big uh, voice in the mob. He was like, no, that's not true. And I, you know, I remember whatever he did say was from such a personal note you know, he would have been a child, right? And this was his grandmother. And so it makes sense to me that his perspective is just a grandson sort of right. remembering his grandmother. I, I found out some crazy things about my family that I never <laughs> knew about. And so I think it's it's possible that all this is true and just that his memory is sort of pure and his memory is just of his grandmother. Right. Well, I mean, every like I said, everybody's got that side. They've got what's going on in their personal life, you know, with their family and their, and their partners versus, you know, who they may be to the, to the rest of the world. Right. Um, now in your personal opinion, listening to this, did you think she could be like a CIA informant, like a, like a, like a double agent? Well, the evidence that they had, um, with the wires in the the room, yeah, right. The wires in the sort of junction box or whatever of the, of the building, and, and I was like, mm, that could be anything. That could be a bookie kind of a uh, thing. Right. But I thought was what might have been more compelling was the person who was looking at who her lawyer was. Do you Ooh. recall that? They said that her lawyer, she was being represented by a deputy district attorney. And so yep. it, it, it would only make sense if the deputy district attorney was representing her. It would only make sense that she was working on their side. But I don't know that we saw any irrefutable proof of it, right? No, no. There was a lot of redactions. Yes, right, right, right. A lot of, like, you get those documents and they're filled with the black lines. Now, what do you think is, I I really want to know, and maybe if we ever talked to Michael, he would know, what would be the reason that she never got whacked? Yeah, that is a really good question. I mean, she she was a wife of the guy at the top. She turned and told all the secrets. In court, she revealed in court. everything in court. I mean, you know, the all the, the only thing is, is she was like, I'm the only one with the combo to the safe in Jersey. But that doesn't make sense because, you know, Geraldo Rivera could get into Al Capone's safe. Anybody can get into that safe. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. Well, I'm going to write it down. In case... I've got, I've got, yeah, I've got another question for him too. Okay. Um. So I already asked you, I was going to ask you, what was your thought on that secondary storyline of Michael searching for his birth family? For his family. I, well, it was sort of heartbreaking. Um, I, I didn't know he was adopted. Uh, but um, it, I, when that storyline sort of appeared in, in, the, in the podcast, I thought, oh, it's going to be, we're going to find out this is really about Michael and his journey. And right, 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 right. In the same way not to bring back something you and I have talked about before, but in the same way that in Richard Simmons, that podcast, Missing Richard Simmons, you you feel like, oh, we're going to get to this ending and it's going to be this incredible reunion between Richard and that guy. Um, I thought that this Michael's storyline was going to have this big um, sort of happy ending, and it doesn't. Um, it doesn't get resolved the way I wanted it to, and, and quite frankly, I bet the way he wanted it to. And I thought it was really moving and touching and real. And I actually gave a lot of thought to that. Um, did they think about editing it out when it didn't turn out his way? Did they? But they didn't. And I thought it was brave and probably resonates with more people that 
he didn't get what he wanted in his search to meet his birth family. Um, well, I was wondering. I was wondering this. Haven't. Well, I was wondering the same. If um, I was wondering the same. If he, once they realized maybe it wasn't going in the direction to fit, you know, were mm-hmm. uh, were they going to cut it out? Yeah, I was right. wondering that too. As from an oh, editing yeah. point, I'm gonna ask, you know what? I'm gonna ask him if We've he got if lots they of questions had that, for him if they had that conversation. Um, okay, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with a few more questions. Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. According to studies, less than 13% of all inventors who hold a U.S. patent are women. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts. But we can fix that by increasing participation in innovation and patenting by underrepresented groups. It would quadruple the number of American inventors and increase annual GDP by almost $1 trillion. Invent Together is a coalition of organizations, companies, universities, and concerned citizens committed to ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to invent and patent. Because the more diverse the American patent system gets, the stronger and more successful our nation will become. What can you do to help diverse inventors patent and unleash economic opportunity? Find out at inventtogether.org. Learn more and take action today. Okay, we're back with Doug Buden talking about mob queens. Okay, Doug. Yeah. Have you been listening to any podcast now that you have all this free time? Or... Or am I still forcing you to listen to podcasts against your will? <laughs> it's the Mary Payne Gilbert list. <laughs> I, Those no, are the ones you heard. <laughs> I haven't I haven't heard a single podcast since no, you reached got... out. Done. I am watching a lot of television. I listen to, you know, I don't like words, listening to words. <laughs> so like well, I don't I, like audiobooks. I like to read a book. I don't yes, like to listen to will, a book. So I, will I understand. Read a book. Yes. So that's and, and when I listen to the radio, I only listen to classical music because, like, the I find lyrics distracting. I like to just listen to the music. Um, hmm. So I'm either watching TV or listening to classical music, and it's still for me sort of unnatural to listen to a podcast. And one of the reasons why. I appreciate talking with you so much is that I trust you. Like you get, you have a great sense of something that I'm going to like. And so I trust you. Like, you know, there are certain friends. I have this friend, Jim, and he's like, oh, I saw the such, such and such movie and it was terrible. I know I'll love it because he has the worst taste I've out of anybody I've known. <laughs> and so I try to listen to him saying, oh, it was dreadful. And I add it right to my Netflix, Netflix list. So I trust you. Okay. It's funny. We watched this weekend. We watched the Jerry Seinfeld special that's out on Netflix now. There's a, He has a new stand-up. Oh, yeah. 23 Hours to Kill or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we always like him. And, you know, let me tell you what's interesting about that, and this is totally off topic, is that he uses a lot of curse words in this one. And he's very well known for not cursing at all. So I apologize for acting like I'm not paying attention to you, even though I am. Is that Michael just texted me. Oh, okay, okay. So the Jerry Seinfeld, he he uses he. This is the joke that he uses, Doug. Okay. He says the same thing as like, people will say, "I went to this restaurant. Eh, it wasn't so great, but you would like it." <laughs> and then people do that a lot. Like, I saw this movie. It was terrible. You would like it. Yeah. And, and he said, "You know why? Why am I being singled out? Like, you would love it. It was terrible. I'll never go there again. But you would love it." And so that's sort of like that. Like, I, I have certain. Movies all day. Yeah, I people. Will, well, don't you find people do that with food too? Oh, this tastes off. Give it yeah. a taste. What do you think? Yeah, this smells awful. Smell it. <laughs> smell it. <laughs> <laughs> My husband did that to me this morning. He goes, "This has been in the fridge a while. Why don't you smell it?" I go, "Why don't you smell it? Why don't I just throw it in the trash?" Okay, what's Michael saying? What's the update? Mary Payne, may I introduce you to the one and only Michael <laughs> Seligman, host Yay! of Mob Queen. <laughs> Thank this you. Is, this is so crazy because I, the way this goes is I have a podcast okay. about podcasts. Okay. And I, uh, every so often, will reach out to my friend Doug and say, hey, listen to this, and then we'll review it. Okay. 
generally I only talk to podcasters. Doug is the only person I talk to that's not a podcaster. He's he's my reviewer. Okay. Um, and he has nothing to compare it to because he listens to no other podcasts. <laughs> I, I just don't listen to podcasts. So I so I, he, I tell him he listens and then we discuss it. Um, it. But it's so funny. So I, I told him about this one. I was like, this is one you're really going to like. And I haven't finished it yet. So I was like, this will be a good excuse for me to finish it. And then we'll talk about it. And uh, when we first logged on today, he's like, you're never going to believe this. <laughs> I, I know that guy. And I was like, I was I was wondering if you would know him. That's so funny. Small world. Small, Small world. world. And Michael, I recognized your voice before you introduced yourself in the podcast, in that for in the teaser, I think, or the episode one. I was like, I know that voice. <laughs> and I reached out to you right away. That and as I'm so listening, funny. and then you're like, this is Michael Seligman. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> it is so, I mean, completely crazy. I, I mean, completely crazy. I love it. I love it. Yes. So, Michael, I know you're very busy, but we actually did have a couple of specific questions to ask you. And first, I'll just say on my behalf, because I don't listen to a lot of podcasts yeah. and I only listen to what Mary Payne tells me to listen to. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed Mob Queens. And I think. It told so many different stories, so many parallel paths. Yeah. Um, I know somebody who lived, like when you would give the address, I was like, oh, Susie Berkowitz lived at 131 Second <laughs> Avenue. Oh, I was trying to yeah. imagine the block, mm-hmm. you know, having grown up in New York. So I just, and also the, your personal story, I just found so interesting and, and beautiful. And I just, so, so as somebody who knows you as a friend, I just want to say great job. Oh, like, you're really good you. at this. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it was such a labor of love. You know, we kind of just stumbled on the story, you know, while looking, doing research or something else. And then it was like, oh my God, here's this interesting woman. And oh, here is her name again. And oh, here's her name again. And like, you know what, we should, we should get the biography and, and read up, read up on her because, you know, she's just such a great story. And like, that's one I hadn't heard before. And then it's like, hmm, there's no biography. There's no story about her. And as I think we say in the podcast, often she's not even Anna Genovese in the things that are written about her. She's Mrs. Vito Genovese, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And we just thought, oh my gosh, let's jump on this and see how far we can go. And we started the podcast with a handful of research and we kind of had an idea of where the story went, but discovered so much in in real time as we were, you know, making the podcast, we were finding things out right up until the minute. How long, uh, sorry, Mary Payne, I, this, I know I this say, is this your is, podcast. This is not the Doug uh, show, but go ahead. Uh, I, okay, <laughs> let me just get into this one question. Over how, because I binged it, mm-hmm. right? Like, so I listened to it all just in a matter of days. Did you record, did you research and record in real time over the course of 12 weeks? Or was there a longer gap um, in your sort of discovery and recording process? Um, it was actually much longer than 12 weeks. We really started in earnest. Um, uh, well, this was all last year. So we we kind of got things going. We, we, well, we came to it with, like I said, a bunch of research already done, um, you know, several years worth, and then started recording, I think, in February or March, and continued recording our last episode. I think we recorded in October. So it was, oh, wow. okay. you know, like last year. seven months. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Well, you said it was a couple of years of, of research. And then Doug and I were first talking and Doug said, well, what made them first research this woman? And I was like, you know, I don't know how her name in particular came up, but the story I was telling Doug, the story, the story goes in so many directions, right? It goes like her personal with her partner and then her grandchildren's perspective. And then it's like her mob connection. And then it's her, you know, the owner of this nightclub that was sort of maybe the start of or the early part of the drag scene in New York mm-hmm. City. I mean, what what a life. Yeah. And then, but Mike, okay, so here are my questions okay. for you because Doug's like, if you had questions, I was like, oh. <laughs> normally I normally I would have 30 minutes worth of questions, but Doug sprung it on me. Um so okay, when you were talking to these former mobsters, were you scared? <sighs> Not scared, but did you feel kind of I mean the people we spoke to were pretty open, but there was, I mean, you know, it's one thing to be researching something in the privacy of your living room. It's another thing to start reaching out to people. And then it's another thing to start making comments about things that people have done on 
the radio on on the podcast and um yeah for me there was definitely moments where i was like should we be saying this like these people kill people for a living and even though it's right. sort of old news um it, we were kind of breaking news in in some ways and so um oh for sure there were definitely moments where i was like oh i I feel a little uncomfortable. And then especially when we would talk to Anna's family, and I think I say it at some point on the podcast, like we knew we were going to speak to Mia and um, I was like, what? you don't know what you're going to get. She might be like, you know, I'm going to come after you or because we were talking yeah. about somebody that was so near and dear. So yeah, there were definitely moments of a little bit of fear and how far should we well, there was some trepidation on your part about revealing or or are you giving away information regarding her girlfriend, Jackie? Like, you know, you were treading, you were just treading the line very carefully, but you let her lead it. She was like, oh, yeah, I knew yeah. all about her or whatever, but you, you yeah. don't know what you're going to get. I, I found that fascinating that the family just sort of knew about that because not only back then was it sort of hush hush, but also mm -hmm. like illegal. So I thought it was interesting. The family was like, yeah, we knew Jackie was and, her partner. Yeah, I mean, Just and that goes freely, to Anna's you know? character. Like, here she is, this woman with so many eyes on her and people, you know, she's kind of in her sphere, a, a relatively public figure, um, and being so open about something that is so taboo. And um, I think it just goes to her character and who she was, which was part of the story that I just found absolutely fascinating. She wasn't hiding who she was. She was, you know, not necessarily broadcasting it, but not keeping it a secret. You know, everybody that we talked to that worked at the club were like, yeah, we knew about Jackie. We knew she, you know, about, about that relationship. Well, okay. Here, a left turn. Did you, do you think at the end of it, do you think that she was like a CIA informant, like a double agent, any of that? Do you think any of that? Because of course her family and people you talked to right. was like, no right, way. Right, right. Well, it's interesting. Yeah. But why you not? Know, it's mean... like the, the ideas that we have about the people that we're close to, especially when they've passed, you want to kind of lock that in and say like, this is the person and this is how I think of them. And I don't want anything coming in. That's going to sort of ruin that bubble of, of what I believe in. And you know, was she actively working for the government? Um, obviously she she i mean she went on the witness stand a super brave thing to do she said a lot of truths about her husband um and her lawyer was a deputy right, district right. attorney and like there was the whole switch mm -hmm. you know from the time that she was going for through for the separate maintenance to the time where she goes on the witness stand she gets separate so there's a lot of things that definitely add up to being an informant but i think there's different ways that you can inform and one of the things i think I bring up in one of the episodes is that, um, you know, government, law enforcement had ways of putting the screws to people and kind of forcing them into doing things that maybe they didn't necessarily want to do. So what we don't know is what pressure was being applied to Anna to testify. Vito clearly knew about it. And so, you know, it's like, to me, I have this sort of romantic thing of like, she's like, I got to do this, or I'm going to go to jail. And he's like, oh, you know, say what you got to say, do what you got to do, but I'm going to still love you. And, you know, the fact that he was still calling her his Anna, you know, 12 years into his prison sentence, and, you know, they never were divorced. Um, they're buried right beside each other. Um, I think there was like an understanding that, is, is kind of a Bonnie and Clyde type thing. It's like, we know what we're doing. We know we're breaking the law. We know that we're going to probably get caught. And like, can we, you know, just kind of like love each other through this craziness? I don't know. Okay. But at the end, you guys go to the, um, to the cemetery. Yeah. I was trying to say graveyard. That's not the right word. Cemetery. And her headstone doesn't have her name. So do you have any idea I think why? It's just kind of a simple thing. I think it was just a family plot. You know, there's there's one marker that says Genevieve, and then beneath it is a family crypt that has um, six um, six bodies buried there. So it's the Genevieve family vault. So even Vito's name isn't uh -huh. on there, um, you know. Um, but oh, what's okay. interesting is, according to the layout, like, 
I think there's Vito and there's Donata on one side and Anna on the other side, you know, so, so Vito's married or, or buried with his, you know, both his, his wives, one of whom he may have hurried to that spot. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I, I, this, the podcast was so well done. And another thing that Doug and I both discussed um, that we were going to wanted to know was for your personal part of your story where you did, you know, 23andMe or Ancestry or what you did. And then you ended up because you were adopted and you wanted mm -hmm. to see it just sort of spurred in you. Like, what about my biological family? But, you know, it sort of went down this path. And I don't know if you got the outcome that you wanted, but the, af after you did all that, did you think, ah, maybe I won't put it in or what was your thought um, that's process a great on question. that? Um, it, it, it was all happening at like that whole thing happened within the space of a, a week. And, um, and it was happening at this really kind of critical time in the, in the, in the process of us telling the story. And it felt so connected um, to what we were doing, you know, the research and the finding the history and the LGBT of it all. And, um, you know, I, I, I give full credit to Claire, our, our producer, who's just amazing. And she, she, it was her idea, I think, initially to put, make it be part of the story. And I think I was a little reluctant because I thought, does this feel self-serving? Does it feel like I'm trying to make this about me, but they, they, you know, we all felt that it was ultimately a part of the journey and it was happening in, in real time as alongside the rest of the stuff. And so, um, you know, the outcome I think was a real outcome, you know, it maybe wasn't the outcome that we were looking for, but it was kind of the, again, the same thing that was happening with Anna, which we didn't really know where we were going to get to, but we would get somewhere. Right. And, and I think sometimes, the it's just it's just about creating an honest story with an honest ending and sometimes the endings aren't what you had hoped they would be but they are what they are and you know i think in telling that story that was important to us i have to say michael i think for me as a listener um and i mentioned this earlier the fact that it didn't resolve like you know a hollywood movie would or whatever um probably resonates mm -hmm. with more listeners uh, than it would have had you had you gotten you know through to everybody in your family mm -hmm. or whatever because most people don't and most people don't mm -hmm. even get as far as you got and so I actually um, gave it so much thought when I was listening to it and and I didn't think oh is this self serving or does it feel self indulgent and now I'm just wondering if it did resolve with a happy ending right. maybe I would have felt that but. As, instead, I'm empathizing and and you know sympathetic to what happened to you, and I think yeah, it does just make and, it and all the more real. There were so many viewers that called in and wrote and and sent me DMs that were just like, "Thank you so much for sharing that." And and the way that uh, you know yeah. we were able to handle it on the show was um, it just touched a lot of people, and I think it made other people feel okay about their you know, sort of lack of ability to connect with, you know, the, the, the people maybe that they wanted to. And, you know, ultimately I did, you know, find this really amazing cousin who was able to, you know, kind of connect some dots for me. And, and for me, that was enough. And like I said, on the podcast, you know, it was like, if, if all that comes out of it is just my birth mom, knowing she made an, a good choice because I have had a good life like that. Everything to me. You, yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're mostly, mostly, mostly yeah, yeah, about 70%. <laughs> oh, 70%. Oh, please. Oh, my gosh. This is, listen, I know you're like a super, you know, busy, fancy producer. <laughs> no, no. So I um, appreciate you joining me so much. This is crazy. I mean, Doug told me that yeah. Doug's like, and I'm going to get him on the phone. I was like, why don't so we just get him on the phone? Like, what was the thing, you know, just from your point, I'm always curious, like, what other people think, like, what, what, was what part of the story did you find appealing or what was was it about Anna was it about the way the story was told was it about the the history like what what do you find as a woman a gay man sorry if I'm outing you Doug <laughs> do you want to go first Mary Payne yeah you, you know I um this is you know actually what I do for my job I'm a podcaster mm -hmm. about 
podcast. That's all I do. And I've reached out to you guys before last year and someone wrote me uh, back, but uh, then it just didn't happen, which is what happens yeah. with like what happens to me every day. Um, but uh, for mm-hmm. me, I listened to so many and I, there was so many aspects of the story, but I think for me, what I really liked, I loved the, 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 I just, cause I love, I, I live here in DC, but I love New York. It's like the minute yeah. they say I can go back, I want to go back. Yeah. I love New York. I like to go all the time. So I loved the idea of this like New York city club scene where like you go down and I loved the whole description of the way she was so beautiful at the door. And then the shows that would go on. And I, I loved how you guys explained how you had to come in and mm-hmm. the gender you were mm-hmm. at birth. And you had to leave that way. But when you were there, they could have the shows and people weren't allowed to be. And you just imagine you think of like the Godfather or Goodfellas and these like tough guys going in to watch these shows. You can imagine that they would like enjoy Mm -hmm. these shows. But there they were enjoying the shows like everybody else. But if they got Mm -hmm. out of control, they were kicked out. I just loved that Mm -hmm. whole vision of it of that scene in that time because i had no idea like, i had no idea fellows, that, you know you that, think yeah. drag queens and mobsters <laughs> and yet it right. was like this really symbiotic yeah. relationship right. for half of a century you know from the 30s well it makes sense i mean they had a, a club that was a booming business and you know that i was asking doug i was like what do you think about the barbara streisand do you think she really lived there and doug's like i don't know maybe it just makes a good story you know i quoted uh, uh mad woman of shio who says that everyone knows that as you wear them pearls become real so as the story you know as history keeps going on we'll just believe it yeah, is true and you, you know i mean when you true. listen to early interviews with barbara you know she was you know not sleeping around town, but she was, she had like her Monday place her Tuesday place her Wednesday place. And, and right. it fits. And by the yeah. way, like Ernie Segroy, who ran the, um, uh, who ran the bon- Bonsoir where, you know, Barbara famously got her start. They were sort of related to the Genoveses. Like Ernie's um, son was the best man at Anna's son's wedding. So that family was very tight. And so I, I, I tend to believe that there was some connection there, whether she spent a, a few nights there or, you know, many, who knows. Right. For me, um, it got more and more interesting. It really was mm-hmm. originally a yeah. task. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I didn't know about it. And then I heard, and I, and I heard it was you. I was like, oh, shit, no, I'm really up to listen to this shit. But, um, you know, it, it, it worked in that way where it got more and more interesting to me. And obviously, as a gay guy, it felt, yeah. it got closer and closer to home. So, you know, whereas I'm a lover of history, so I would have loved just hearing the history and the way you so beautifully um, talk about the architecture. Yeah. And I know some of these buildings. And so, like, just on a base level, as a lover of history, I found it so interesting. But then as a participant in gay in the gay culture, it just felt closer and got more and more interesting. And I really was more and more invested. Um, the, my only problem, if I'm... If I'm correct, Mary Payne. My only problem was these commercials in the middle for somebody else's oh. podcast that I had to skip over every yeah. five seconds. We can't control annoyed. that. I know, I know that's out of your control, but as a listener, it was like real cliffhanger. I also mm-hmm. appreciated the music. Um, I appreciate a sound effect, and I appreciate mm-hmm. the production value of the podcast because now I think this is the fourth podcast I've listened to, and I always love how they just insert <laughs> appropriate music, mood music. Uh, but I thought I thought it was terrific, and and it really it truly got more and more interesting. And I forget Mary Payne if it was that Y two K one where it was just like really difficult, or the one about the TV show Cops where I had a hard time visualizing. In this one, and I'm, yeah. I I believe that I'm able to separate the fact that I know Michael's voice. I really was able to visualize so many of these moments perfectly in my mm-hmm. head whether or not mm-hmm. they're accurate is is irrelevant it it was a, a strong enough picture that it kept me engaged and yes. wanting to hear more so i think that was also great it was it was the descriptive word everything was sort of just the right amount to for me great. to paint my oh, own picture great good to me yeah All right. um yeah. let me last question i'll let you go are are the genovese family are they are they still mobsters are they are they still active in the 
Um, in the mob you know, business? It's interesting. I think that the mob Allegedly. business has changed. You know, I've talked to a lot of people, many of whom were not on the podcast, but, um, you know, a lot of these, uh, like, probably now grandkids and great grandkids of these famous mobsters are all kind of trying to go legit and, um, you know, have legitimate businesses mm. and whether they're, you know, it, it, before I think it was like, uh, it was like cool to be, you know, say like, I'm a Genovese. And, and now I don't think they like so much that people talk about this kind of stuff. And in some ways, you know, people didn't want to talk to us because they're like, that was my grandfather and I'm a legit businessman or I'm a legit whatever. Um, and I think like even with Anna and Vito, they, you know, you look at their kids, their kids all went kind of into legit businesses, you know, like Phil Jr. was a city councilman or assemblyman, um, you know, like, uh, like they, it was like a thing that they did, but it wasn't necessarily a thing that they were thinking we're going to pass this down generation to generation. They didn't let it define them. They didn't let yeah, it define their future. Yeah, it was a thing they did. And it's also just weird, like, what happened to all the money? That's the thing, you know, Vito died worth allegedly like $30 million. Like, where does all that money go? Because none of the, none of the grandkids have it. Let's get Geraldo mm-hmm. we'll Rivera on it. He'll, he'll, yeah. he'll, he'll pick it up. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Michael. Okay. This has been amazing. Well, thanks, Mary Payne, and thank you for connecting us, Doug. I appreciate it. Thanks for thank listening. you, Michael. I, and I'm thanking Mary Payne for for <laughs> connecting me back to you. I was so I'm so excited to see you. And I, I had dinner with Patrick and Jordan last night, so we were talking all oh, about Patrick. you. Yeah. I mean, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's more to come. More to come. So yes, keep us posted. For sure. Okay. Thank you, Michael. Bye, Michael. Bye. Thank you. Bye, bye. Okay, Doug, so we you don't ever listen to podcasts because you don't like to listen to like books and I don't either, which is weird. But I'm going to tell you, um, we don't need to talk about them. But I'm just gonna I'm going to give you an assignment. And then you and I can just text about it. Okay. Okay. This one that you're really gonna like, it's only three episodes. Love it. And they're less than 45 minutes each. Perfect. You could knock it out this afternoon. It's called the jungle prince. And here's why you're gonna love it because it's written it's a new york times um journalist lives in india and that's her beat india and she always has heard these rumors of this like um dethroned indian family that like left and then came back to claim their claim their property or whatever this family comes back to india lives in the train station for 10 years until the indian government will give them their property okay lives like with servants and Dobermans surrounding yeah. them, but that's not, all right. I'm in. I'm on board. Doug, that's not even the story. Oh, that's I'm the, on board. Uh, isn't that crazy? That's that's just the beginning. So anyway, okay. they get some land back, and the story goes on from there. And it's called the Jungle Prince, and it could be a ten-hour Netflix series, but it's these three short episodes. It's amazing. And I have reached out to her to interview her, of course, as I always do. See, maybe it turns out I know her. Maybe you know Ellen <laughs> Berry from the New York Times. But she wrote back and said she would do it. So, um, oh, awesome. Okay, and then, Doug, I cannot believe that you have not listened to The Shrink Next Door. And here's why you're going to love that. Based in New York City... It's this guy. He's a he's a writer for the New York Times. He currently now he's with Bloomberg, but at this time of the story, he's with New York Times. He goes out to his Hamptons house. He's very New York City. He goes out to his Hamptons house, like a little cottage that he has. Next door neighbor, some like crazy psychiatrist, the shrink next door. The story takes so many twists and turns. It's crazy. And it's going to be an Apple TV movie with Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd. Uh, I like to listen first because, like, I like always like to read the book before the movie. Okay. So this I will is, read, yeah. I will listen to. And it. after one year of trying, I just had Joe Nocera, the author, on my podcast a couple of weeks ago. Oh, so cool. you can listen to the shrink next door, then you can listen to Pain in the Pod. But okay. but the Jungle Prince you'll really really like. All right, look. I'm on board. I wrote it down. Oh, you're the best. Okay. So tell everybody where they can find you, Doug Buden, and all the things that you're doing. I mean, during quarantine, not so much, but otherwise. <laughs> um, you can find me on, on Instagram at Doug Buden, D-O-U-G-B-U-D-I-N. And you're on Jeff Lewis Live a few times a week. Oh, and I am on Jeff Lewis Live on Radio Andy on Sirius XM Channel 102. 
Um, yeah, I'm usually on like two, we do four shows a week. I'm usually on two of them, except for last week when I kind of benefited from coronavirus because somebody in Jeff's universe tested positive. So we all had to go get tested. And the only people who could go into Jeff's house to do the show are Megan and me because we were the only people who had come into contact with him and the person who was infected. So um, sometimes I do more. It depends <laughs> on the on the tragedy. <laughs> um, or it, was this the housekeeper or there was another person? Uh, it was the housekeeper. Oh, that's right. He did say who it was. It was a housekeeper. Yeah. And then there was another person, but he hasn't said who that person was. That is correct. And it's not you. No, 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 it's not. Okay. And it turns out that that person, it may have been a false positive. Oh. Uh, but I had to get retested. My doctor told me to get retested. So I got retested Friday. And I don't know, could you see? It yes. looks like I'm doing the drugs, but I'm not. I have retreating veins. And when they went to stick the needle, I kept going dry. I'm like dead inside. You see that? Uh -huh. I have bad veins too. That gives me the willies. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. On that happy, upbeat note. Um, uh, stay tuned and listen. There'll be more with Doug on Patreon. And uh, thank you, Doug. And as always, this has been, it's been a ride. It's been a ride. It's been a thrill. And thank you for your connections. Okay, bye. Bye.